are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible this morning. Turn with me to the book of Job, please. Job chapter number 38. Thank you for that good song. I saw that song on the uh, itinerary for the service and thought it was the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But I like that song. That was great. It's good to be in church on Sunday morning. Thank you for being here today. And uh, we'll have a missions emphasis starting this evening. This morning, I want to give you something that God used in my own life. A uh, pastor asked me to preach this morning a week or so ago, and it wasn't even before the end of that same day that God had prepared my heart for this message this morning, and uh, I'm praying that God will use it. And uh, I just got back in town, just got back in town. I was in Denver, Colorado on Friday preaching, and the people there at that church were all asking about our church and said they've been having special Saturday night prayer meetings for us here and asking God to bless in a great way. And it's so encouraging around the country, the folks that are watching our services and are, are, are part of what God is doing here. Job chapter number 38, we'll read verse number 1 down through verse number 4 this morning. Job chapter number 38. Now I don't know, I don't know because I, I've only lived here about a year and a half now, but we always did this back on the other side of the country. I don't know if this has just not made it all the way out here to California yet or not, but I think maybe I'll just introduce it to California today. October, everywhere else I ever preach or go, and where I was when I pastored, was always Pastor Appreciation Month and Pastor's Wife Appreciation Month. And I keep seeing folks posting Pastor Appreciation stuff. And I thought, we probably ought to do that around here. What do you think? He asked me to say this, so I thought, I'd... no, he did not. He did not. I remember last year was our first October here, and, and, and I didn't know about it, so I, I just got a little gift, maybe cufflinks or something. He said, well, he'd never done that. I said, we need to start. But I didn't feel like I could do it last year. But now that I've been here a while... Let's just do that. If God lays it on your heart to be a blessing, this is a good time to do it. Maybe make a, send a text, encouraging text, buy him something, whatever. But it's Pastor Appreciation Month. We ought to be thankful for that. Job chapter number 38, verse number 1. The Bible says this, Then the Lord answered Job. Up to this point, Job has been doing all the talking. Job's friends have been doing all the talking. A man by the name of Elihu has been doing all the talking. And there's nothing but trouble and darkness and bad and gloom and doom and negativity. And the problem is, they've been doing all the talking. Now God steps in the conversation, and the Bible said, He answers Job out of the whirlwind, and He says, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declared if thou hast understanding... Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? God steps in, He interjects into this conversation between Job, his negative friends, and a negative man by the name of Elihu. And God takes Job, and He makes Job counsel with himself. Job's been listening to enough negative counsel. He's been listening to enough bad counsel. God takes Job and he hits the reset button on Job's thought life, on what Job is dwelling on, what Job is chewing over in his conscience. And he puts Job off of the pathway of negative, 
bitter, bad counsel. And he makes Job stop, be quiet, and think. And he puts him on the pathway of positive counsel. God says that these individuals have been darkening counsel by words without knowledge. They've been speaking about things they don't know about. They've been saying things that don't make sense. They've been offering instruction when they still need to be taught. And because of that, it had so poisoned even the heart of Job, Job begins to not just listen to bad counsel, he begins to give himself bad counsel. I read that, and I thought that's where we are, not just you and I as individuals, but as a nation in our world today, we're at high risk of feeding upon negativity and then fertilizing negativity within us and then after a while, everything is negative, gloom and doom and bad. And I believe it'd be good this morning if we'd let God calm us down, quiet us up, get our mind off of that, put our mind back on Him, hit the reset button, and start counseling ourselves positively. God says, Job, you've been doing all the talking. Let me talk a minute. He said, Job, what can you do about it anyway? Nothing. Where were you when the earth was formed? You weren't there. Can you provide for the animals in the plant? No, you can't. So just hush and put your mind back on me. For a little while this morning, I want to think on that thought. Basically, God asked Job, tell me, Job, who was it? And it helps Job get his mind back on track. I want to be a little bit, I guess, pastoral, a little bit of a counseling thing for myself this morning. And I want to have a self-counseling session. And I want you to do the same. And think about the words you've been using lately, the thoughts you've been thinking the blogs you've been reading, the people you've been conversing with. Has it been negative? And have you found yourself starting to pour out negative? Let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, I pray you'd please help this truth to be clear this morning. I pray that you'd instruct us from your word. Help us to live in victory every day. Help us not to dwell on things that we cannot control. Help us not to worry about things that we cannot answer. I pray that we'd have faith to focus on you. Help us to feed on the right kind of counsel. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Bible says in the book of Job that man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. Now, I don't think we have to have a 10-week series dissecting that verse to know that it's true. Simply from observation, from experience, and from living life, we know that statement's completely accurate. Tonight, you can go outside and look up at the sky and count the stars. And that's about how many troubles roll in and roll out of the life of every one of us. Trouble's very constant. It's very consistent. And trouble's very comprehensive. There are things that differentiate us. But one thing we all have in common, we all have to deal with trouble. Trouble tracks us all down from time to time. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and trouble's there to say good morning. Sometimes you go to lunch and trouble sits across the table. Sometimes you lay your head down at night and trouble's there to nag you and keep you from sleep. Our life is a few days. And the Bible said those few days are full of trouble, like the sparks that fly upward from a fire. Changes in life can cause trouble. Circumstances can cause trouble. Often it's people that cause us trouble. But anyway, we live in a world where every day, on every side, at all times, there are many things that can cause us to get negative and dwell on the troubles of life. Have you ever been around a negative person before? Don't point to him or her, but have you ever been around a negative person before? 
Have you been around somebody that when they just step in the room, they suck the joy out of the room? I mean, if they were to walk into the room, they would change the forecast of your life from sunshine to showers. I mean, they could bring a cloud in on the clearest day. I mean, they walk in and the lightning bolts flash around them. And as soon as they enter the room, you're looking for the exit. You ever been around somebody like that? B.R. Lakin said he met somebody like that. He said, how are you doing? That person said, I'm doing bad. And he said, why are you doing bad? And they said, because I know I'm just going to get worse. All of us know people like that. We've all been around those kind of people. I've been around my fair share of pessimistic advice givers, unsolicited advisors that want to tell me how bad it is. They want to tell me how whatever it is isn't going to work out and how whatever it is cannot be done. I like to call them negative Neds and these downing Debbies. You know what I mean? Just get around them and they just make you want to exit the premises. You ever been around somebody like that? The Bible talks about the fiery darts of the devil. And often those fiery darts aren't aimed at our heart. They're aimed at our head. And they come in the form of negative, anti-God and anti-faith statements from those around us every single day. As a young preacher especially, and I, I guess I still am one of those, but just starting in the ministry, I met my fair share of pessimistic preachers. They weren't trying to throw gas on my fire. They were trying to throw a wet blanket on my fire. I'd be around them and they'd want to tell me how they're glad they aren't starting their ministry in my day. They wanted to tell me how this is the worst generation to serve God in. They like to tell me now how we live in the most wicked state in the country. They want to tell me how we can't do a great work for God. I've heard the stories of the hardships in serving God from jaded, bitter Christians. And they try to tell you, it's just not worth it to serve the Lord. I've sat at tables and I've taken phone calls and I've counseled with and ridden in cars and airplanes with those who are all the time trying to douse my fire for God. Have you ever been around somebody like that? They weren't trying to encourage. It was like their duty in life to discourage. Everything was gloom and doom and hard and bitter and bad. And they weren't trying to get you on the mountain. If you were on the mountain, they wanted to make sure they put you down in the valley. You ever been around a negative person like that? Now let me say, you and I might be around them, but you better not ever be one of those things. Can I say, I don't want to be that kind of a Christian. I don't want to be somebody who puts a frown on somebody's face. I don't want to be somebody who brings somebody down. I don't want to be somebody who says it cannot be done. I want to be the kind of person who says, give me that mountain. God can have faith in God. But we've all been around them. We all know who they are. You might even see their face in your mind right now. And we've got to watch it because negativity from without can take us from the winning side to the whining side in just a moment. But can I be honest with you? I don't just hear bad news and I don't just hear negative remarks and I don't just read bad things from without, but I also have to guard against feeding on those things, listening to those things, taking those things and allowing that to create negativity rising up within. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 verse 15, we have to guard against a root of bitterness springing up. And that root of bitterness is often sown from without. But you cultivate that, you feed that, and you nurture that by dwelling upon it within. And let me be honest with you. Often it is not the outside that is my biggest enemy, but I often am my own worst counselor in life. Honestly, 
I have to fight against me the hardest to avoid negativity and to avoid being pessimistic about the troubles of life. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. But the truth of it is, often we let our heart be troubled and sometimes we even trouble our own heart. I like when Paul stood before Agrippa. Paul is surrounded by negativity on the outside. By the way, we're living in an hour where we can look around and say it's negative on all sides. Paul is surrounded by negativity. He's wrapped in chains, ankle and foot, he, or ankle and wrist. He's standing there before a man that could kill him at any moment. Paul's been sleeping in a prison cell. He's been eating food not fit to eat. Paul could die before the night comes. Paul's standing there surrounded by negativity. It would have been easy for Paul to feed on the negativity outside and to fertilize negativity on the inside and live in defeat. But I like what Paul did. Paul guarded his spirit. Paul guarded his mind. Paul guarded his heart. And he looked at Agrippa in the eyeball and he said, I think myself happy. Now, how did he do that? He had to counsel himself the right way. Every once in a while in life, you and I have to turn off the bad, focus on God and the good, and counsel ourselves to the winning side of life. Every single day, you have to make a decision to focus on something. And what you dwell on and focus on will determine that day whether you live on the victory side or you live in defeat. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. David was surrounded by negativity. People wanted to kill him. He committed sin and heard his testimony. His children had messed up and some were dead. He spent times running and hiding and living in caves. But the Bible says David encouraged himself. What did he do? He made the decision not to listen to the outside, but to focus on the good, to focus on God, and he counseled himself positively, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. You have to choose to fight that fight of avoiding the wrong kind of counsel and listening to the right kind of counsel. But a major part of that battle is not just the negativity that comes from without, but it is fighting to not let the outside infiltrate the inside and grow up within you and cause yourself to get bitter and counsel yourself onto the negative side of life. Now we're in a season where it's very easy to be negative. There's not a lot about what we're living through right now that is overly positive. Let's just be honest. Nobody would vote for the last seven months of our lives. If we could change it, erase it, do away with it, all of us would say, no thank you. Nobody would pick losing their job. Nobody would choose to liquidate their retirement. There's nobody who would vote for the political division and the civil unrest that we see. Nobody here would want to push for empty church pews and sitting out in the parking lot. We wouldn't choose that. There's no way we would opt for the social problems, the sin, the suffering that we see in our society in these days. There's not much about right now, from my perspective, humanly speaking, that is overly positive. 
But let me say, it is always like that in this world. You say it's bad now. It's always been bad. It was bad in the book of Acts. It was bad in the Gospels. And it's bad today. Our world has always been home to heartache and suffering and pain and bitterness and troubles and trials. That is nothing new. That's just how it is in this world. We're strangers passing through a very strange place. That's why the Bible tells us to gird up the loins of our mind. We're to let the mind of Christ dwell within us. Every day you wake up, you must put on the helmet of your salvation and you have to guard against negativity that comes from the outside lest it produce negativity swelling up on the inside. Now Job was a great man, but God wanted to make him a better man. And as is often the case, the most precious vessels of God are purified in the furnace of trouble. In fact, Job's name is forever linked with his trouble. Job went through, and let me emphasize that again, thank God he went through it, a time of trouble unlike anybody else has ever experienced. The book of Job opens by telling us how blessed Job was. But by the end of the first chapter, Job is wrapped in bitterness. He becomes well acquainted with negativity. He knew what it was to wake up and trouble say good morning. He knew what it was to go to lunch and trouble look across the table and say hello. He knew what it was to lay his head on his pillow at night and trouble keep him from sleep. His life is a study in the fact the sparks of trouble fly upward throughout the life of man. His story is a story of great loss. His, his story is a story of trouble. He's wealthy, but he loses his wealth. He's an employer, but his employees are murdered. He's a farmer, and he loses his flocks and fields. He's a father, and his children are killed in a tragedy. He's a husband, and his wife becomes his greatest afflictor and accuser. And all of that happened in a single day. When you find Job at the end of the first chapter, he's sitting in ashes. His body is covered in boils. He's a bankrupt, broken man. His friends come and, and stand in his presence. Their names are Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. We could call them for our purpose this morning, CNN, MSNBC, and the Mercury News. Very negative. They're supposed to be his friends. They stare at Job for seven days. Finally, after seven days, they open their mouth. And they don't comfort Job. They don't calm Job down. They don't cheer Job up. They don't offer any consolation. They begin to accuse Job of committing sin and deserving this trouble in his life. Now think about the story. On the outside is a hurricane of negativity. On all sides it's bad. On all sides it's dark. On all sides it's negative. But you better believe there was not just a whirlwind of negativity on the outside. I'd say there was a breeze of negativity blowing on the inside of Job as well. His friends offer him no consolation or comfort but they accuse Job of sin. They tell Job that he's worthless. They say that Job did not love God but had loved evil and that's why God was judging his life. Now you think you've been around negative people. I hope you've never been around anybody quite as bad as those so-called friends of Job. Now imagine the battle that Job is in. 
Job is in a physical battle with his pain. On the outside, his body's ravaged. He's scraping himself with a broken piece of pottery. From top of his head to bottom of his feet, he's in agony. He's in a battle emotionally. His family is dead. His babies are buried out in the distance. His wife tells him to curse God and die. Job's friends accuse him of committing sin. There's a battle on the outside of Job. But can I say, there's also a battle on the inside of Job. Job has to make the decision. Does he trust God, have faith in God, and depend upon God? Or does he feed on that negative counsel from the outside and cause himself to get into negativity as well? Job is a great man, but he's going through a great season of trouble in his life. His friends speak against him. His wife accuses him. His body is ravaged with pain. He's being bombarded from the outside with bad, 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 bad. All the darts of the devil are honed in on the spirit of Job. Can I say the same thing happens in our life? It almost happens on a daily basis. In our text chapter, God refers to this counsel and he says that Job's friends have given him darkened counsel because they're speaking without knowledge. Can I say whenever you and I try to answer for God, we're always speaking without knowledge. These men have muddied the water of Job's mind by saying things that were either untrue or at best unprofitable. They're shaking their finger at Job. And what happens? It causes Job to shake his own fist at God. Now, Job isn't always like that. He's a man who loved God, the Bible says in the first chapter. He's a man who walked with God. But watch the effects of feeding on the wrong kind of counsel in his life. He goes from a man that loved God and had faith in God and trusted God to now trying to say that God had been unfaithful in his life, that God had been unrighteous in his life, that God did not know what he was doing in his life. Job listened to bad counsel and then Job began to counsel himself in the wrong way. I don't know about you, but I have conversations with myself. Now don't worry, I don't think I need pills for this, but I have conversations with my, I have conversations with myself all day long. And sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're not. And I have to catch that when that happens and get myself back on track with the counsel that I'm giving myself. Job is being attacked with negativity on the outside. And now Job begins to produce negativity on the inside. When you get to chapter 32 through chapter 37, a man by the name of Elihu comes into the story. Now Elihu walks in very abruptly and he leaves very quickly. Job has been sitting there in ashes. Job is broken he is mourning, he's in pain, he's sorrowing, and he's suffering. For seven days, his friends stared at him like a spectacle. One by one, they opened their mouth and accused Job of being in the wrong. Elihu has been there the whole time. He's a younger man, so he held his peace. By the way, Bible college students listening, if you're a young preacher, hold your peace. Thank you. But he held his peace. Finally, he steps in after seven days. 
He does not walk in and comfort. He does not walk in and provide help. But Elihu echoes the sentiment of Job's three friends and he begins to accuse Job. His words are very blunt. His words are very cutting. His words strike right to the heart of Job. In fact, he goes so far as to say that Job did not know how to pray. He says Job did not really know God. He went so far as to even ask Job if he had a personal relationship with the Lord. Now you read the statements by Job's three friends and the statement by Elihu. All of them have a common phrase. Every one of them say, Job has sinned. Now think about it. Job is surrounded by negative people. On every side is negative news. Accusations on every side. Rebuke on every side. It's falling on his life like rain in the springtime. The trouble of his life is flying upward like sparks from a fire. On the outside, bad things are raging. The storm is beating against his life. Think about it. Bad statements, negative statements, rebuking statements, untrue statements, fake news on the outside of Job. That battle's coming against him. Those waves are bludgeoning his life. They're crashing upon his heart. He's surrounded by a storm of negativity. His spirit and his faith in God is at high risk of moving from the winning side to living on the defeated side of the spiritual spectrum. But on the inside, the same thing begins to happen. Why? Because he listened to the wrong thing for so long. He'd entertained the wrong things for so long. He'd read the wrong thing for so long. He'd got himself in a position not just to hear the darkened counsel, but now he begins to give himself darkened counsel as well. Job never would have done that in chapter 1. But after chapter, after chapter, after chapter of bad counsel, negative counsel, Job joins in the chorus and begins to accuse Use God. Now, up to this point, the story is very Job-centric. And that's the problem. Up to this point in the story, it's been Job, Job's three friends, and Elihu. There's been a major character absent from a lot of the story. Finally, after chapter after chapter of darkened counsel, God steps in. God has been listening to all of this negativity. God has been listening to this bad counsel. And God interjects and he leaves Job with some questions to get his mind back on track to hit the reset button, if you will, so that Job can get back on the victory side. In verse number four, God begins to give Job question after question and statement after statement that is designed to refocus Job's attention. It's going to take Job from being questioning God, doubting God, and mad at God to having faith in God. He says, Job, verse 4, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Now he says in verse 5, Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who has stretched the line upon it? What is God doing? 
He's presenting Job with the blatant truth that Job cannot always find the answers, that Job does not know more than God, that Job's power is limited, and he gets his mind off of the bad, off of his struggle, off of his trouble, off of his negative counselors, and he puts his focus back on God. God's saying, Job, just for a second, would you quit talking? Would you be quiet? Would you hush up, be still, and know that I... I am God. What's he doing? He's trying to calm his anxiety. He's trying to calm his fear. He's trying to heal his hurt. He's trying to get his eyes back on God. Can I say most of the time, all of the time, when I get negative, it's because I'm doing too much thinking about me, worrying about me, pondering me, and not enough praising God, focused on God, depending on God, and faith in God. There are some things in life you cannot fix. There are some things in life you don't know about. There are some things in life you won't have answers for, but thank God he always has the answer. And God says, Job, you got to turn off the bad news. Job, you got to quit reading the bad blog. Job, you got to get away from your bitter backslidden friends. Job, you got to quit looking down. You got to start looking up. Let me get your attention back on track. He gives an example after example of what God can do, how God provided, how God created, how God sustained, how God saved, how God came through. And at the end of it, Job speaks and says, I am vile. He's saying, I've been an idiot to doubt God, to get mad at God, to question God, and to allow myself to be influenced by negative counselors that darkened knowledge. How could Job question a God like that? How can he doubt a God like that? How can he get angry with a God like that? And as soon as God is done speaking in chapter 42, Job changes his tune and he says, I know that thou canst do everything. Oh, after Job just hit the reset button on his counsel, he begins to say, God created the universe and keeps it in order. God holds the world in its orbit. God trudged out the rivers and controls their currents. God's the one who maintains the seas within their coasts. It's God who gave life to everything that lives. It's God that knows the sparrow. And after stopping the bad counsel and listening to the right counsel, he says, and I know that he watches me. Hey, that's the same Job that was doubting God. That's the same Job that questioned God. That's the same Job that had been so negative after he quit talking so much about Job and started dwelling on God. He takes his life from the negative side of the spectrum to the the positive side of the spectrum because he got rid of the wrong counsel. Think about it. Job has to discover he can't always figure it out, but God's got it figured out. He can't always come through, but God always comes through. Job is one grain of sand on the seashore. God is in control and knows every grain of sand on the seashore. Job had to quit focusing on the negative he could not control and start focusing on the positive who's always in control. Why do you think it is so many Christians in 2020 have a chip on their shoulder for no reason? Why is it they walk around like they're a victim? We preach against a victim mentality, and half of the folks we preach to got one. That's only one honk. Why is it there's so many bitter people that have been nothing but blessed... They were saved in an independent fundamental Baptist church. 
Their family got put back together in an independent fundamental Baptist church. Their children are saved because of an independent Baptist church. And now they want to walk, walk around and they'd almost tell you there's more positives about the, uh, the satanic group down the road than the independent Bible-believing Baptist church. You want to know why that is? Because you don't have enough character or spirit of God to turn off the wrong counsel and listen to the right kind of counsel. It is so pitiful that you would put more principle, faith, and stock in a blog than your Bible. Why are so many Christians wanting to quit on God? Why are they cantankerous? There's a good word for you. Why are they causing division? Why is it they think they're smarter than the man of God? Why is it they won't submit and they want their family that wants to submit not to submit? Why is it that they have issues? Why is it that they're always in a bad mood? Why is it? It's because you're listening to the wrong kind of counsel and you're not feasting on, meditating on, studying, reading the right kind of counsel. You say, but it's bad. Yeah, and you can't do anything about it, but God can. So why don't you quit talking about how bad it is and think about how good God has been. You can't feed on the negative. It'll destroy your Christian life. Now let me get off Job. Let me get off Job and leave him alone and let me get on us. It's hard enough to keep a smile. It is hard enough to keep a shout. It is hard enough to stay faithful without you piling on yourself a whole lot of negativity. There's enough negativity outside for you to create, cultivate, and nurture negativity on the inside. There's too many many Christians that live defeated and discouraged and in despair and they're disgruntled and they're pessimistic and they're always negative. Why? Because they're feeding on the wrong source. They're going to the wrong kind of counsel. I mean, you never hear them brag on Jesus. You never hear them uh, praise God. You never hear them compliment the church. You never see them at soul winning. They're never out there being a blessing to others because they're wrapped up in their own little whirlwind of negativity that began to on the outside and they lost the fight and let it storm on the inside. I have to fight every day to stay positive. If you preach to people like we do, it's hard to stay positive. I'm kidding. I'm kind of kidding. Why so many Christians like that? Because they focus on the need and not who can meet it. They focus on the problem and not the solution. They focus on the difficulty and not our source of strength. You might be listening to me this morning. I want you to inventory your life. I want you to think of your recent vocabulary. External, internal. Your texts, your audible voice. What kind of words have been in your recent discussions? Words like, not fair. I'm mad. I'm bitter. I don't like it too hard, can't be done. Can I say if that's you, I hope the Holy Spirit of God gets all over you this morning and shows you that that is the wrong way to counsel yourself. Can I say God's been better than good to every one of us? You say, but you don't know, dot, dot, dot. 
When you start saying those I, you don't know statements, that's when you need to go to Job 38, Job 39, Job 40, and Job 41 and ask yourself, don't you reckon if God can create everything out of nothing, he can take care of whatever it is? Don't you think that if God can clothe the fields with the lilies, he can handle whatever it is? Don't you think that if God was righteous in Job's life, he's right in whatever's happening in your life? Don't you think that if God can feed the animals and give breath to every living being, he's probably got it under control in your life as well. Tell me, Job, that's what God says. Tell me, Job, who was it? Who's the one, Job, that put the stars in the sky? It wasn't you. Who's the one that created the world out of nothing? It wasn't you. Who's the one that sculpted the galaxy? It wasn't you. Who's the one that shaped the seas? It wasn't you. Who's the one that made the cow moo and the pig oink and the skunk stink? It wasn't you. Who's the one that made man from the dust to the ground? It wasn't you. Job, where were you anyway? when there was nothing. Where were you before time began? Oh, that's right, Job. You didn't exist, but I did. Why don't you quit listening to those negative Neds over there? Turn off those downing Debbies on that side. Hey, turn off the negative counsel. I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. Be still and know that I am God. Don't counsel yourself negatively. I think about the hymn, How Great Thou Art. I mean, the hymn that begins, when I, what's it say, when, when I, uh, how great thou art, so, uh, I don't have it in front of me. The, oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all. How's he praise God? He took time to hush and consider God. Amen. Consider all thy works thy hands have made. I see the sun, what's it say, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And then after that, then sings my soul. The preacher's not fair. No, that's not what he said. Then sings my soul. These standards are overrated. That's not what he said. Then sings my soul. Everybody's against me. That's not what he said. Then sings my soul. It's not worth it to live for God. That's not what he said. Then sings my soul. My Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. There's too many Christians that don't have enough how great thou art and have too much woe is me in their life. And Job had that going on in his life. Why? Negativity from without for a season caused negativity within. Maybe you're here this morning and that's where you're at. Your focus is in the wrong place. My focus when I get that way is in the wrong place. Too much Justin, not enough Jesus. I've got to stop and hush. Consider God. Can I say the preacher boys in our college don't need an older preacher telling them it's not good to serve God today? Can I say the families that are trying to raise children in 2020 don't need a family that's already got your kids raised telling us how it's not a good day to raise children? Can I say we don't need folks in other places telling us this is the worst place to serve God because we don't think that's true. We don't need to hear those bitter people that fell into some kind of sin and are discouraged because of something in their past tell us how we're wrong for trying to do right. And you've got to be careful that you don't let yourself listen to negativity without and watch it birth negativity within. I see it all the time. Every time I travel, I have people ask me about certain things. Did you see this? Did you read that? And I would say, no, I don't even know what that is. Because you've got to make a daily decision to focus on the right thing and not the wrong thing. Lest that root of bitterness spring up within you. I like what Job said after, after four chapters of rebuke, 
four chapters of being still and letting God show him he's God and Job's not God. He said, I've been a fool. I've uttered words without knowledge myself. And God, I know thou canst do everything. I got to counsel with myself sometimes and so do you. When the pipe leaks, I have to be still and let him be God. When things don't work out the way I thought, I got to be still and let him be God. When I feel disgruntled, I just got to be still and let him be God. Lest I find myself on the whining side and not the winning side. That's the thought God laid in my heart for this morning. Sunday morning preaching to me is different than Sunday night preaching. And different than Wednesday night preaching. Sunday morning crowd, we need that message so that we don't live on the victim side but the victory side. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.